Welcome, I'm Gabriela Ranka, and I'm going to be speaking to Sunday Lucia from Sun Center Ayurveda. Sunday has been practicing Ayurveda for seven years, and I've had the great pleasure of having some of her treatments. We talk about the doshas and how the Ayurvedic system is connected to the natural rhythms and cycles of life. I really hope you enjoy this podcast. Thanks for listening. Sunday, so nice to see you. Thank you, Gabby. Lovely to be doing this with you. So, yeah, how did you get into Ayurveda? Let's just start with, you know, your kind of journey into it and being a practitioner. What got you interested? So Ayurveda for me was something I'd never heard of before I actually found Ayurveda. It hadn't been something that I was thinking about. It literally fell into my lap. I was coming to the end of my performing dance career, um, being ballet and contemporary. And I was looking to formalize already the knowledge that I had in myself growing up in a very alternative community with parents that grew everything. Um, We operated with no power. We grew all our veggies. We had animals. So we were very self-sufficient in that manner. And I remember my childhood feeling like I could cure people, all of my friends at the age of eight or nine by crushing barks and leaves and twigs. I thought it was magic. I had no idea what I was tapping into, but I knew eventually one day I was going to study some kind of natural medicine. And for me, the only thing I knew when I sort of turned 35 and I was ending my dance career was looking at naturopathy. And when I looked at naturopathy, I, I thought, wow, it's amazing, but it didn't grab me at a depth that I was looking for. I I already had so much of that knowledge, but I wanted to go deeper into some origins and I guess also the spirituality behind our practices as an Ayurvedic practitioner. So I went along for a few more years. I didn't know Ayurveda existed. And I happened to be traveling up the West Coast of America, sailing on a yacht and I was at a real crossroads in my life. What am I doing with my life? Where am I going? And so I pulled into a port And I went for this big long walk and I stumbled into a health food store in the middle of, I think it was Brookings on the West Coast. And I just sat down at the health food store at the communal table and I cried because I felt like I was home. I could smell the beautiful health food store. And I grabbed a book to cover my tears. And it was that book, Deepak Chopra, The Science of Life, Ayurveda. And it was like this boom right down into my heart. And I went, this is what I want to do. I've found it because it just went to a depth that I couldn't put that book down. So that's how I actually came across Ayurveda and came back to Australia to study. Oh, wow. Funny. That's an amazing story. That's really like a light bulb moment. just like a moment of clarity. Yeah. Like that real instinct kicking in and what a fantastic story and what a journey to start going on. And I was actually going to ask you about Deepak because, when you think, when I think of Ayurveda, that's who I think of, because he's really like one of the master teachers of it. Would you agree? Absolutely. And he's really been able to, um, I think, bring it to the masses and bring Ayurveda to people that may not even want to study any kind of philosophy or spirituality, but just look at the fundamentals of a health science that gives us tools in this modern life to get by because we are all suffering on some level. And I think that Ayurveda has taken this new level, given us a level that we can all start to understand and implicate in our own lives. It's not this crazy science that's just been invented and it's hard to do. It's fundamental. And fundamental when, in the sense that it's, it's, it's into the root of being like what it is to be a human being on a mental, physical 
and spiritual level. Is that? Yes, absolutely. And, and a simplicity, because I think that as a human, we have lost our connection to nature. And so the fundamentals of nature is the sun rises, the sun sets. We all require sunlight. We all require food and water. It's those really simple things that we just have to come back to. And what is that? What is what does it mean by being in tune with nature or, or having that fundamental knowledge? And often it's just going and observing what does nature do because nature actually has the answers I God I agree with that so much and I think about that a lot actually when you look at nature and what nature can teach us and about how we've become we put ourselves in a bubble of comfort trying to control our environment out without nature whereas without like trying to sort of control ourselves control what our living standards without communing with nature and then we've become soft and unaware of nature and how to actually be in harmony with it and in work harmony. with it like we like we are because we're mammals, we're human beings. And I think about that a lot, about being the connection of nature and not feeling connected, feeling like we're on the planet instead of with the planet. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and that is, I mean, it's such a simple philosophy, but we've really lost that connection to return back to nature and what the world does around us, our environment. Um, and so how, learn to more. Yeah, definitely. And, and so how does Ayurveda, so how does it, um, like what would be an example of a therapy or that you come, come to an Ayurvedic practitioner for and how, how is it presented and how is it sort of, how would a, how would someone that came to you understand that? Um, as in, do you mean how would they come to me? Like for what reason to begin with? And then how would I integrate it? Yeah, so if they came for a therapy and how is it, how do they become aware that it's like, what, what is it about, what is it about it being natural and being in harmony with nature? Sure. Okay. So some of the tools I think that Ayurveda is able to give, and you would learn this in a consultation with me. Um, you can also come and just have a treatment. That's also fine. You know, things that just feel good. Sometimes that's a place where most people want to start and then they come into the, the consultation where it does get a little bit more um, serious and some responsibility needs to be taken. But anything like any ailment, anything you would go to a doctor for, you could in general terms, you could also come to me and, and seek an alternative way that might actually work with um, allopathic medicine, or it might be a way to supplement, or you might want to focus on Ayurveda more as a priority. Um, but some of the fundamental daily regimes is what's really key to Ayurveda. And it teaches us that as an individual, we really need to take responsibility for our health. Ultimately, it's our body. We live in this temple and it's up to us what we do with it. And I think that's really empowering because often in the Western medicine, it's almost like you've become the victim and you've just got this disease and where did it come from? And it's so unknown and we need to take all these drugs. But in Ayurveda, it teaches us to actually look deeper within and see what perhaps we've done in order to cause the chaos or the disharmony that's happened. And that might be a really big shock for some people because they might not be ready to acknowledge that. And I can appreciate it. it's really hard sometimes to think, why have I got what I've got going on when I've led such a, a healthy lifestyle, but there's always a depth that we can learn more about what we're doing. 
And I guess we'd, we could start with just the, the dinacharya or the daily routine in Ayurveda. And that would be to rise with the sun. So getting up just before sunrise, going to bed before sunset. So always in bed by 9.30, quarter to 10, so that we're ready to fall into that deep sleep. And that philosophy comes from, I guess, the time in Ayurveda. There's, there's the kapha, the pitta, and the, the vata times. And so if we look at the doshas in Ayurveda, there's, there's the vata, the pitta, and the kapha, and there are three different doshas that we could all be made up of. And when I say dosha, it's, it's a biological force within us. So a vata person or vata, vata elements in our environment would be really mobile and cold and um, would have lots of movement. And so if we're getting up in a vata time, which is actually between uh, two and six, you're looking at much more energy in the atmosphere. When we get to six o'clock in the morning, we then go into what's called kapha time. And kapha is more of the earth and the water element. So we become a little heavier. So if we're sleeping in beyond 6 a.m. and we're getting up at 7.30, 8 o'clock, often we'll feel much more sluggish. If we had have got up at 5.45, 10 to 6, we're going to have this natural energy available because that's what's happening in the universe. And so sleeping beyond, we start to also create an imbalance. And then if we go to bed later than 10 p.m., our mind starts to kick into a pitta time because between 10 and 2 is pitta. And pitta is about metabolism and fire. It's a, it's a water element with fire. And so we create what often people will say, oh, I have lots of energy at about 10 o'clock at night. I get a second wind. But that's a false stimulation because you've asked your body to draw on reserves. And so then you spend the next 10, you know, two hours until midnight doing what you want to do. And then you find it hard to sleep and you have this really broken because you haven't you haven't stayed in alignment with nature. So when the sun rises, we get up, sunsets, we go down. That's that's just a one fundamental. And I think from there we would look at. In the mornings, it's imperative to, to get up and uh, brush our teeth and scrape our tongue because we've had all this post-digestive um, stuff happening during our sleep. And often people will get up and drink a glass of water and push all of those toxins back down into the stomach, which creates a heaviness, or they'll have a cup of coffee, and that's what gets them going, or so they think. And in Ayurveda, we actually want to scrape the tongue and, and actually scrape the armor or the toxins that have been sitting there. It's, it's natural body intelligence bringing it up for us and sitting on our tongue. And often you'll, you'll see it when you scrape your tongue in the morning. It's coated with a, a thickness, depending on what you've eaten the night before. And so it gives the body this ability to detox without you having to do too much. It takes 30 seconds. And that's done every day. And it, it's, it's of no... Um, real effort. You've just got to be diligent in every morning doing it. And then we would look at perhaps doing some pranayama or some deep breathing, getting the, the organs to be oxygenated so that we feel like we've had a cup of coffee, but without having the coffee. And yeah, yeah. so okay. these are yeah. like fundamental, these are basic things that you would address first up with anybody that came to see you. That's so interesting what you say about like the times of the day. That's exactly at 10 o'clock. You can start to feel a bit more, uh, yeah, a bit, I can't, a bit more awake. That's so interesting. If you, uh, I'm very much 10 o'clock and get up at 6 if I can. I love that period of sleep yeah. and 6. Yeah. But just naturally. But, um, but yeah, scraping the tongue. I have to think about doing that. That would be 
<laughs> yeah, you'll never not do it. Once you've done it, you'll never not do it. Never not do it. You'd notice a difference. But yes, yeah, yeah. I'm just thinking about what you said before about that, about the medical model and how everyone is sort of brainwashed to be the victim of why me, why have I got this thing? And, and that, that would be a huge hurdle, I believe, of someone that comes with something that they are shocked to have and to turn that, it's a mindset really you have to turn around. So do you have to work on people's psychology in that sense to make them realise how they've contributed or, yeah, how do you tackle that, that kind of um, response you might get from someone that would be surprised to think, that they have to take responsibility for themselves and not really understanding probably the mental and emotional realms of of being and understanding how that can be effective affecting the physical body absolutely it's it's a really big one gabby when when someone comes to me and as a practitioner you also have to use your observer observation skills very quickly and observe where is the client mentally and so by assessing that very quickly, just in the way they speak, the way they're sitting, the way their faces are, the expression that they you know, are giving me, I'm able to start to go, where is this person sitting on a mental scale? Are they really ready to open up or are they sitting in the very initial stages of having a diagnosis that's really confronting? Or are they in denial and they just want to come to me because they've heard that the treatments feel good? And either any one of those reasons is appropriate. I think the fact is someone ends up on my doorstep. It's a real blessing and it's a chance for me to convey you can do something different. And, of course, we all know doing the same thing will get us the same result. So if we want something different, we have to change something. And so my doctor, who I'm credit, you know, what I've learned and, and the, just that beautiful knowledge, it's so authentic. When we were learning the science of Ayurveda, it was really important to gather and be compassionate where that person was on a mental scale. So sometimes I can't actually go in and talk about that at all. I really just need to address them on a physical plane because they can understand the physicality more. And so it might just be easing them into some treatments like the Shiradhara, which is the, the oil pouring on the third eye and resetting that nervous system, calming them down so that they learn to also trust me. Then the next treatment might be the Abhayanga, the full body hot oil massage. A few of those treatments done over time, you start to get someone who there's a bit more flow in their physical body. So they start to also change the chemistry of their brain purely by having some treatment. And then you go, let's take this to another level. What about we look at this element? And then we could talk about diet. And diet, again, is this physical plane, but it helps to change the chemistry of the brain. Because you know how you feel when you eat something that's really crappy. You're not going to be open to anything that's challenging. You feel crappy <laughs> but you go and eat life-giving food all of a sudden your whole body goes oh i'm open to this or oh yeah I, I can see what you're saying so we start there really simple it really sounds like building up that trust and people do have to go down that path to understand that they can trust and open up and yeah know that there's that they can, they're in good hands, I suppose, and that, that Ayurveda is just a, a healing method, uh, you know, on all levels, it sounds like. And I've had the great pleasure of Chiridashu, is it? Chiridara, yeah. Chiridara, oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. And that, fit, that sensation of the oil going across your head, and yeah. that really works in the mental realm. 
correct? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And it can really, but yeah. it's also very deep in that treatment. Because my yeah. mind just started chattering on and racing when I, that was happening. It was really interesting to experience yeah. it, but observe it as well. Like always reminding myself to just observe the chatter kind of going crazy. <laughs> Yeah, because yeah. it's like by the time someone comes to me for Shiradara, we're like this like spring and Shiradara is the uncoiling of that spring so that the body goes, oh, I can breathe again. <laughs> I can let all this go and yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Sunday, what, what's your favourite um, treatment to have? You go, you go to an Ayurvedic uh, practitioner yourself? I share with a beautiful lady that I graduated with um, actually, and there's another woman I'm, I'm meeting tomorrow as well, who's just about to graduate. And um, so we often swap between us, which is really lovely because the, the thing you have to do as a practitioner is, is look after you. <laughs> and my favorite is the combo of Shiradara and Abhyanga. So the full body massage followed by a Shiradara head treatment is probably the ultimate for me. Um, that's something you can also just really relax into. You can allow the depth to happen in that spiritual realm as well if you're open to that. But even if you're not, it's a treatment that you just ultimately feel rejuvenated from. So most definitely, point. yeah. And um, and how would you? How would? What would you? What's the the oil that you use? How would you describe the 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 type of oil? Because that's a really um, it's got a sensation and smell about it. I've never smelled before. Yeah, absolutely. So the Shuridara oils are all very different. So right. depending if there is an ailment or a particular um, issue that someone's presenting me with, I might change the oil. But otherwise, it's, it's a Shuridara oil specifically for that. I couldn't tell you all the herbs. There's, there's just about 20, 25 different herbs that are boiled within the oil. Um, Shiradara has also done what's called takadara, which is a milk treatment. If there's too much heat in the body, so instead of the oil, we end up pouring cold milk um, on, the, on the person's head uh, in the third eye region. So really, again, that's why it's so tailored. It's never the same for everyone. Um, but general is the Shiradara oil. It's, it's, uh, it's quite a, a very herbal smell. Um, well, you've had it. How would you? Yeah, yeah. It? So that, yeah, and it has that. It just has a very unusual texture and smell to it. But it's lovely. I, I really like it as well. I really, yeah. I really enjoy it. And you know, I love the oil in the hair. And yeah, mm -hmm. this is such. It's a. I know it's a special experience. I found that a very special experience. But I also yeah. did enjoy the basti, the eye basti, the natural basti around. Yeah. Yeah. Can you that just explain a little bit about that? Because that was interesting. Sure. So, so I guess in the modern world, we're all looking at a computer at some stage during the day or our phones, um, depending on where we are in our season, we're all prone to perhaps a little dry irritation of the eye or we're looking at degenerative diseases as well and cataracts and glaucomas and things like that that are even deeper. The netrobusti is really about placing um, some dough, which is made out of lentil flour, round the eyes we do one at a time and if it's your first treatment we're just looking at a pure ghee treatment so i would warm the ghee just above body temperature 37 and a half 38 degrees go slightly into the side of the eye first so that the client feels really comfortable they have their eyes closed and as the ghee fills up the the donut it's like the whole eye gets submerged in this beautiful liquid amber and nourishes 
the whole eye and its tissues that are behind. So often after you've had a naturopathy, which you've experienced, it can correct if there's a blocked tear duct or if the eye is scratchy or there's other things going on, you have this immediate relief. We do do them in series. Um, and then once you've had a few, we would move on to a medicated, which is a slightly uh, astringent form of ghee, which we've got some herbs in that, and it can sting a little bit. So it's often a little bit uncomfortable, but once you've had two or three of them, you become much more of the feeling and you don't, you know, you're not going to panic. Um, but as soon as that ghee is removed, you've got full eyesight and there's no stinging. So it's, it's just while the ghee is penetrating um, the eye. Yeah. So. And I really had such a phenomenal experience with it and a change to my eye, having a red eye and having that one, one treatment and it just didn't come back. So that was fantastic. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, miracle. <laughs> and I often sit and reflect who invented or who back 5,000 years ago decided that we're going to pour oil into someone's eyes. Like the, the observation is so incredible that they came up with these the ancient seers. Yeah. They so. And yeah, actually how far back does Ayurveda go? 5,000 years? Is that its roots? Yeah, it's roots in over, India, over, is that right? Yeah, over 5,000 years. Um, its roots are in India. Um, I think there's a lot of, you know, people are still just discovering Ayurveda and, and a lot of people will say, oh, is it like TCM or, or Chinese medicine? And why did Chinese medicine become so popular and Ayurveda is still sort of catching up? And I think if you look back at the, the time in the world that the British came into India to rule and took over that whole... Um, community that was happening there and squashed Ayurveda considering it was witchcraft. So you were persecuted for that knowledge. So Ayurveda got really shunned down and was not really spoken about for a long time. Whilst the Chinese then medicine rose. And yes, there's some really similarity, um, you know, comparisons in, in the way the philosophy is. Ayurveda, I do believe, got, is, is a little bit different in its depth of spirituality and how it approaches food and the the quality of food so we're not just looking at is this organic or is this not we're actually looking at is this warming is this cooling is this unctuous is this dry so i love it i'll quote my doctor he said you know even the most organic organic blueberry muffin or with organic chopped chip chopped chips is still a muffin and it's still a dry you know food that you're consuming and um, it makes a lot of sense. Whereas when we look at, say, uh, let's just look at milk, for instance, taken cold is really toxic. But milk, when it's taken warm and heated with its medicinal spices, is completely nutritive and building for the body. So we're not just saying milk is good or milk is bad. We're looking at how it actually is prepared for us. And I think that's the difference. That is the difference. Yeah, that's interesting. When you that's, and you kind of play that game with yourself when you see the organic, you know, gluten-free muffin something. And, you know, it doesn't mean it's good for you. It doesn't mean yeah. it's good for you at all. It might be yeah. easier to digest, but it's not necessarily um, something yeah. you should ingest into your body. And that's fascinating about uh, the fact that, yeah, that Ayurveda, how, yeah, because it is quite a still an unusual practice to go to. I, mean, I definitely have heard of it on many occasions and I've traveled through India, so I was aware of it, but you don't really have it everywhere. Like you do get the Chinese medicine everywhere. And that's, I think it is, yeah. like, I think a lot of people do shy away from 
what is considered um, spiritual, uh, they will shy away from that. Do you agree that that can be something that people will feel maybe confronted by or not sure of? What do you think of that? Yeah, I think so, but I don't, I don't think that Ayurveda is promoted as a, as a spiritual science. I think it's still the fact that it's really unknown and probably the word doesn't help. A lot of people probably have seen it, but can't, they think, how can I pronounce that? And yeah, because it is of Sanskrit origin, Ayurveda, science of life. So I think it's only a matter of time. And I really feel that we're on that crest of a wave that Ayurveda is really surging because it does offer, um, and I'm not, I'm not saying that it's, it's, it's better or, or worse than Chinese medicine. It's, it's just a little bit different. But one of those fundamentals is the daily routines. You know, in Ayurveda, we are taught to take responsibility. It's not just about giving us a herb or, you know, I, I prescribe herbs. That's, that's one of my jobs. But if that person's digestive fire or agni is not up to its optimum, then no herbal supplement is really going to help. You have to get to the root of the cause or what's, what's happening in that person's body. And it, like everything we know, it comes back to digestion. How is our gut fire really working? Is it low, is it high, is it irregular, or is it really well-balanced? I'm yet to see a well-balanced person with you know, great digestion in, the, in this modern world because we're all dealing with the amount of stress. So you think it's stress more than the actual food or a combination? Like you could eat the yeah, like you could eat the most healthy organic salad and but if you're stressed and eating that, it's not gonna metabolize well in your system. That's right. And then you look at Ayurveda and, and an organic salad in the middle of, of winter is is a really non-compatible food source for us because it's rough, it's cold and it's dry. And so here we are having these really light airy foods in the middle of winter when the season is is cold and it's damp so what do we need in order to bring up our digestive fire is heat and warmth you know so cooked and really nourishing unctuous foods but we don't take the time to cook we we, we we eat on the run and that's a stress so anytime you're eating in the car or eating on the run without mindfulness no matter how super organic it is it's not doing your body any service and so that's, that it really goes with the cycle. So eating like with the seasons. Yeah. So when, yeah. When, it's, when it's summer, you eat salads, you eat cool foods. Is that pretty much that? And then in winter, you eat warm foods, trying to regulate the, the body, regulate the temperature. Yeah. yeah, we try and eat with, with according to the season. So when we are in summer, some people might be prone to excess heat, especially those pitta people who have a lot more fire in them. You know, they actually burn hotter than most of us. You probably have a friend like that. They're always hot. They're always warm. They've, they've never got extra covers on them. And then there's people like more vata people who are always complaining about the wind and it's, oh, it's really chilly and it's cold. And then you've got your kapha people who are a little bit more uh, non-sensitive to the environment. And they're like oh I didn't even really notice you know so if you look at what body type you are and this is what Ayurveda helps you determine if you know what's going to bring you out of balance then you know how to correct it or before it even gets out of balance you know what to do for yourself and when we eat according to seasons so in the summer we've got a lot more heat in the atmosphere but often we can suffer from being too hot so we might need to have some cooling things it doesn't necessarily mean salads but if you are a kapha person you still need um, a little bit of like digestive spice and some warmth because they can be prone to cold as well. In the vata person, you're always looking to stabilize and ground them because they're and airy and mobile. And so they need more of those 
foods that sit heavier and warmer for them. And then the pitta people might do well to have a little bit of a salad, but it's never the main meal in Ayurveda. Salad for, from my understanding in Ayurveda is something we use as an entree. It's something that's just, you know, some, some uh, greens and some raw lettuce leaves, but as long as we've got some lemon juice and some um, salt uh, on the salad, it makes it a bit more compatible. But really salad is, is not a great uh, nutritionally dense food. So, okay, yeah, kapha, so yeah, pitta, vata are the three body types, is that right? Yep. And so and how do you figure out which one you are? Can you figure it out? I think I've looked at a chart before, and, but it, it, is it quite complicated? It, it is because it's, it's really thorough. And yes, you can do some online dosha testing yourself, but you're always going to answer with a bias because you'll choose an answer that feels more like, oh, that's what it should be because that, that sounds better. <laughs> Whereas when I'm doing a consult on someone, I'm asking questions and I'm observing what their responses are and how they respond. Even if they tell me something that really I think actually I can see it might be a bit different to their answer. That's my job as a practitioner to work out. And so you start to look at people, um, what were they like in their younger years? What's their temperament like now? What are the foods that they gravitate towards? Because you've ultimately got what we call uh, a prakriti, which is our our blueprint, it never changes, it's what we were born with. And then you've got the vikriti, which is our imbalances. And those imbalances are always changing they're fluxing because according to age diet lifestyle and season so you come to a practitioner you're going to find out two things what is my my prakriti my blueprint and what is my imbalances that i'm really prone to at this time in my life and that will always be changing so it's it's really good to remember when you see a practitioner that you know in another three months gauge and check into your body what am i presenting now because those symptoms may have changed and that's when you need to go oh okay let, let's revisit this let's go back and see the practitioner okay so it's not a life sentence then that your vata pitta kapha it changes it's not like the you change but your actual blueprint won't so if oh, you're okay. determined, yeah one of right. and, and when people are dual doshic, like there'll be a vata pitta or a pitta kapha, they'll have a second dosha. One is more dominant generally, or there are those that are really vata pitta kapha in, in symmetry. You know, it's this, there are really balanced three doshas in one. So, yeah, it's, it is hard to work out yourself. I do recommend someone actually go and see a practitioner for. Okay, so, so you, someone came to you that find out what dosha they are, and that yeah. dosha, am I saying it right? Yeah, and if if and what that will determine what kind of foods they should eat, pretty much what kind of exercise they should do as well. Like how kind of exercise is good for you, whether that's something more strenuous or lighter, yoga, walking. Yeah what works best for them and that's why it's so tailored so you'll find out what really makes you you and what works best for you and then if you're presenting some ailments at the time then we look at them and what's really what which dosha is at play here because we're trying to determine is it the vata that's out of balance is it the pitta or the kapha or is it a combination and, yeah, and where did that come from that three-way combination or it's so it's, it's part of the five element theory. Right. So when you're looking at the elements, you've got your fire, your earth, your water, your air and your space. And so when we look at Vata, it's made up of two elements. Pit is made up of two elements and Kapha is made up of two. And they're generally, so you've got your Vata, which is 
air and space. You've got your pitta, which is fire and water. And you've got kapha, which is water and earth. And so those qualities are what makes up that dosha. And if you look in the environment, everything we look at, so summer is, is a real pitta season. Winter is more of a kapha season because it's more cooler and it's, it's the earth and it's damper. Um, autumn is when the wind blows, so that's a vata season. Yeah, so you start to see the deeper you go into Ayurveda, how much it really is connected to nature and the elements because we're governed by our elements. Yeah, gosh, that's so interesting. Um, that's, yeah, because I think you get to know what you are more as a person as well. You can be so, yeah. um, just not understanding, understanding what it is about those elements you have or the body type you have or the kind of digestion you have because we are all made up a little bit differently and we are affected by the environment we live in and finding out, yeah, those levels and, What's more beneficial for health and well-being? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Because then once you know you're empowered and you're not going to put yourself in a situation that really is against everything that your body really wants. So, you know, you might just, for instance, you might observe you walk into a, a restaurant with a group of friends and the Vata person will immediately say, I can't sit there because of the air conditioning. And the Kapha person will say, oh, I, I didn't even notice. And the Pitta person will say, oh, I need the air conditioning. It's really hot in here. So. You start to work with what makes you tick better and you don't, you're not like everybody else and that's okay because it gives you this power. Like will increase like. If you're a pitta person, you're naturally prone to more heat. If you're a vata person, you're naturally prone to cold. So put yourself in an opposite environment and you start to balance that dosha. And so it's all about balancing the doshas? Balancing, absolutely. I mean, Everything is balance and harmony. Yeah, not too excessive, not too depleted, balance. And is it more of a preference than you are this or the blueprint is saying you are this? You know, the, the blueprint yeah. comes from actually when the sperm and the ovum meet and that is decided in your, your makeup and your chemistry at the time that your conception happened and where your parents were in, in their state of being and what season they were in. All of that is giving you your blueprint, which is what you and naturally born with and that doesn't change um so that's no. that's a philosophy yeah, yeah no that's fascinating and someday i'm so aware of the time because i know you're waiting for uh, a client so uh, but i just want to hear what next for sun center ayurveda Oh, well, some really exciting news, Gabby. I mean, I've been practicing in Sydney now for, for four years and I have my beautiful um, treatment room here in Cremorne Point. But I am about to relocate to the beautiful Bellingen in New South Wales, um, which I'm really excited to be establishing my practice there. So for all my Sydney peoples, it is a bit of a drive. It's a six-hour drive north, but you'll, you'll not be... Um, you, you'll love Bellingen, so it's worth, it's worth the trip. That's where I'm going. It definitely would be worth it. I know I will definitely visit you. And um, and thank you so much for your time. I just enjoyed so much to learn a bit, bit about Ayurveda. It's been, it's been really fascinating. And I love the treatments. I know a lot of people get the benefits out of the treatments as well. So thank you. Lovely. Thanks so much, Gabby. Bye. Bye.